coming to you from the Spirit Lounge. I'm your host, Lily. With me is my co-host, Vanessa, and this is the Haunted Happy Hour Podcast. Welcome back to the Spirit Lounge for our special summer series, Campfire Stories. That's a mouthful. I know it is. Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. It is a Friday evening. A fun happy hour. Yes. Yes, it really is. A fun happy hour. I I like what I'm looking at here. (laughs) So just to remind everyone, we do have TikTok. So we already pre-made our s'mores that Mm -hmm. we have going on so if you want to check that out on tiktok you can see the video of the making process and the drink so we have quite the spread we do and we have not tried them yet no so i am super excited it's been hard just staring at these freaking Uh, s'mores yeah tell me about it for like the past 30 minutes i've literally i've been trying to ignore it i'm (laughs) pretending like it's not even here literally (laughs) so now we have to try the s'more and to try the drink. So speaking of making the s'mores, yes. which we were doing that not too long ago mm-hmm. out on the fire, mm-hmm. we were having this discussion. How do you like your marshmallows? Mm. So we had. Yes. If you check out our socials, you'll see mm-hmm. we're going to have like a picture of all of the ones that we made. Mm-hmm. Various marshmallows. Yeah. Types. Yes. And colors. Yes. So, how, Lily, how do you like your marshmallows? That's a hard one because I feel like it depends. Depends on the mood. It does. It's a mood. Mm-hmm. It actually is. <laughs> it is a mood because so there was like a really like black mm-hmm. marshmallow, like super toasty on the outside. Yeah. And usually that means they're super gooey on the inside. That's Which what they're good. That's what our last s'more kind of looked like that we featured on TikTok on mm-hmm. our socials last mm-hmm. time. That one was really good. That's usually how I like them. Mm-hmm. But I felt for this one, maybe it had to be a little bit on the lighter side. So that's how you were feeling today. Yes. Probably. I was. <laughs> like, I felt like maybe with that one, because it had the previous one, because it had maybe like bacon and it was like oh, a little bit salty. Okay. I wanted, I don't know. So maybe like to balance out flavors. Mm, yeah. That would make a lot yes. of sense. That would make a lot of sense. Right. What about you? I guess you're right. It does depend. Mm -hmm. Like, again, it's just like how you're feeling in the moment. Mm -hmm. So whenever we are doing this, I do like to try different ones. Okay. Because I don't like to try just one standard form, Mm -hmm. you know, in Mm -hmm. that moment. I'll be like thinking, okay, I want to try maybe a light one first and then go to dark or vice Mm -hmm. versa. Oh, that's kind of a good way to do it. Yeah, I like to switch it up. I don't like just to stick to one in that moment. Mm, Yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the question out there for you, (laughs) how do you like your marshmallows, right? Since we're doing our series. That is true. Which is funny, though, because I feel like everybody that I know, they like them more on the really darker, toasty side. Hmm. Like to the point where the fire is on the marshmallow and then you got to blow it right. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people do like it like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the whole activity of. Right. Oh, I have to blow the fire right. out. You know, plus, it's you a know, process. now that I'm thinking about it, 
it's kind of like a texture thing too. Oh, because yeah. I actually really like them toasty like that because mm-hmm. it reminds me of like the Lucky Charms marshmallows. Oh wow! I like the I like the weird sensation uh-huh. of crunching mm-hmm. into a Lucky Charm Good marshmallow. Point. Those are really crunchy. Yeah, for a marshmallow. Yes, you can tell they're like processed. <laughs> And that's kind of what these really toasty ones yeah. remind me of. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I know you do like the mm-hmm. Lucky Charm marshmallows yes. to the point where you even had just a bag I of did. them. I did. I think it was my wife. My wife bought me a huge size bag of just the Lucky Charms marshmallows. Oh, my gosh. Which I've seen at the store. They sell now. Like, this is a legit thing. They sell just the marshmallows, the Lucky Charms marshmallows. So, like, does it? Just it's no, it's not just cereal correct. or whatever. It's just the marshmallows. Oh wow! Yeah, huh? And so, how do you eat those? Like a snack, or do you actually put milk on them? <laughs> um, it's funny because when I had the bag before, I would put them into my normal cereal, and I just oh, that's dump fun. like a huge like cup full of them. Yeah, and into my normal cereal. That would be fun, actually. I would put them into everything. It's a fun surprise. It is fun addition. <laughs> now, my yes. next question for you. Do you have any camp experiences now that we're doing our camping series? Ooh, I thought about that. Camp experiences. Any camp experiences are probably not yet since your son isn't old enough, but you personally yeah. maybe. I don't know. I I can't say that I do. Actually going out and sleeping out in a tent. Would I've, you do it? I've never done it. Uh-huh. Um, I guess it would depend where. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I'm more of a fan of like glamping. Of course you are. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> I would do the glamping, the actual in a tent. Yeah. I just don't like bugs. Right. I don't want bugs like around me. Or anything. Like, like any, because, anything that doesn't belong. Because I watch like the shows like Alone or what's the one where people are out. It's on like Discovery. What show oh, is that? What? Naked and Afraid? Naked and Afraid. Yes. <laughs> are you going to be? Well, because and like, <laughs> yes, because yeah. they'll be in like their camp gears or whatever, yeah. and all of a sudden, random bugs coming at them. Oh my gosh! And those people just, man, that's hardcore. Though I'm not a hardcore camper like that. Yeah, I, I'm, I am not. I'm a. My extent would be Girl Scout camp, but that's about it. I will go to places where you can camp. Like mm-hmm. I've been to Starved Rock. Love doing the hiking trails. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're more of like, like the like state a parks here. The activity the- aspect of yes. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to go do it and then come mm-hmm. home. Right. And then shower and then <laughs> right. relax and then like Netflix. Yes. Netflix and chill type of deal. <laughs> yes. Well, for me, like the experiences I've had, well, before I started working, one of my jobs, one of them was actually a camp counselor. Oh, you're right. I don't know you if you remember. Did do that. That's right. So I stayed out there for an entire summer. And after a while, you do get over it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But my daughter's over it. I mean, not over. I shouldn't say over it. She's finished mm-hmm. that aspect. But as far as she was in a Girl Scout mm-hmm. troop. Right. And so she did the Girl Scout thing. And, and actually, our last one for her she and i actually did like a mother daughter mm-hmm. camping situation but wait though did you guys stay in tents so or what was okay so sleeping now they have various deals for that for girls okay so one of them is dormitory style like you're literally it's like you're in a dorm room is it kind of like uh do you remember the show camp on wanna like salute your shorts oh my gosh love is it that, like that show uh similar i mean you have all these activities that you do and things like that you have <laughs> you do have the crazy counselors because as a counselor you change your name yeah to like something having to do with nature right 
So, yeah, it could be, I guess. That's hilarious. I loved that show. I forgot all about that. <laughs> That's the only thing I could think of. Oh, my of. God. Anyway, no, but this nowadays, yeah. like, they do have dorm room style, so they have air conditioning and everything. See, that's Can you not, believe that? that? Is, that's not bad at all. And lighting. That's not bad. So, I think that would be more up your I would do speed. that. So, like, where we were, they had that. You could pick from that. You could pick from another cool one, which I thought was really awesome if you're a Star Wars fan. Remember the Ewoks? Yeah. So you could do a little treehouse situation and then you would climb up into your little house. That's actually really cool. I know. Wait, so you would be staying in a treehouse? Yes. And you look up and there's a bunch of little houses in the trees. It was so cool. It reminded me of Star Wars. That's actually really yeah. cool. So that would be cool to do. I would do any of those. Yeah. Those those are fine. And there are some that are straight up tent mm-hmm. situations. So yeah, so those are the ones that we're I just don't want to be sleeping in a tent. I don't either. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It words me out. Yeah, same. The night that we were there though, like um we had a really bad storm. Like I'm talking to the point where I'm like, I could not sleep at all, at all. My daughter slept through the whole thing, but luckily it went well. But man, That's that was crazy. scary. And I'm like, thank God that's over. But yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that was my experience with I, her. I would not. I would not. I do know. That. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Being at the campsite where we were, mm-hmm. it's it is spooky. Like to me in general, mm-hmm. campsites, just state parks and all that jazz. I feel are spooky. Yeah. Like you just get a weird, eerie vibe anyway. I can see that. I think we were just talking about we this. We were just talking about a that. A couple of days ago, yeah. you were talking about how you had gone, I think it was like last summer yeah, to one of the was. state parks around uh-huh. here. And it was, it was just yeah. an odd experience. Man, like just walking in. And I was talking to my friend of mine because mm-hmm. we went with our other sister mm-hmm. and then my, my daughter. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah. Just. Once we just set foot out mm-hmm. of the car, it just felt weird to me. Yeah. I didn't say anything. But yeah. now, actually, it was funny because I was talking to her about it actually this week. Mm-hmm. I go, remember when we went to that park? I go, honestly, I didn't tell you, but I felt weird and it felt eerie to me. Mm-hmm. Not right. And she was like, oh, my God, me too. But I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. That's crazy. It was just, I just think in general, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just mm-hmm. There's just a ton having to do with those things you never know yeah the goings on right you know Mm -hmm. i don't Mm -hmm. know it's spooky yeah they definitely do have a creepy eerie vibe yeah and i think that would be you know what we're talking about is Mm -hmm. perfect to what we're going to be well telling about i mean what do we have going on for today's episode then so today we have a wild west camping ground and a park that has seen its share of recent tragedy So sit back, get comfortable in front of the fire and pull up a drink or a s'more. Before we get into it, gosh, I am. I've been waiting this whole entire time. I'm like, hurry up. Hurry hurry up up and talk and be quiet. So let's now get to my favorite part that I've been waiting for this whole entire time. We are going to taste the drink and the s'mores that we made. So the s'mores are... Strawberry, strawberry, the chocolate yep. strawberry s'more. Mm-hmm. It, it it looks so good. So it, it is a couple of slices of strawberries, chocolate, which we actually use the Mr. Good Bar chocolate because mm-hmm. I wanted a couple of crunches of maybe some nuts in right. there. And then, of course, the marshmallow, however you want it done. Yeah, exactly. Texture wise. Mm-hmm. And then our drink. Today we have the key lime rosé. This is another really easy drink. 
All you need are limes, key lime LaCroix, and some rosé. So you squeeze the juice of a lime and then you save a couple for garnish. Then you pour your desired amount of soda and rosé into your glass. So this one looks really refreshing. Another good one. Very summery, summery type vibes. Right. And I wanted to keep it simple. Cheers. Cheers. And what is the verdict? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I like that you used LaCroix Mm -hmm. instead of maybe like club soda or something. Yeah, club soda or even just like a a random lemon lime flavor. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Pop, whatever it is. Because I like that you can still taste the rosé and it's not kind of overpowering mm-hmm, yeah, by like the pop. Right. So I did like that. I'm a big fan of rosé just in general anyways. So this is really good. It doesn't taste watered down at all. So you're a rosé all day mm-hmm. fan. <laughs> I am. This is good. Good. And I wanted to keep it super simple because, mm-hmm. you know, why not? Yep. When people are tired. Yes. And so- then intro go now, ahead the s'more itself lily's grabbing gosh a s'more and yum. she's gonna go ahead and take a bite yum so don't forget to visit our tiktok so you can see what we're actually talking about because it looks superb honestly mm. and then also on our instagram we're gonna have pictures mm-hmm. set up this is delicious so i'm glad that we chose the mr good bar chocolate Oh, because you do get that crunch. Yeah, I can hear you crunching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was good. Yeah, that was a good little balance of additional texture there. Mm -hmm. Yum. 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 I feel like I'm on the Food Network right now. (laughs) You're you're one of the judges. This was a good balance with the nuttiness of the good bar. Yeah, because I mean, if we just would have picked a normal. Yeah. Just plain Hershey chocolate. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would have been good. Right. Duh, it's chocolate, but. You know. there's no there's no layers and there's no extra flavor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah amazing definitely pairs well with the drink that's awesome are you gonna taste that possibly should i do some yes. asmr go ahead it's okay. good it's super easy i love this just because it's really easy to, oh i loved that i love that mm-hmm. sound mm-hmm. that was a good one like it's super easy to just put together it's stuff that you already generally have mm-hmm. yum like delicious whoa this is amazing. I feel like last, last s'more. Okay, so I would love to have a whole charcuterie board of like <gasps> different s'mores. Oh my gosh, that's a good one. Because the one from last time, yeah. that was really good. Was it was so like good. a saltier type one. And then mm-hmm. now you have this one that's like a little bit more on the sweet side, right. a little bit fresher. Right. Mm, perfect. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's a great idea. I know we love should it. do that. I know we should. <laughs> So, rating on drink and s'more. I'm going to say four for both, just because they pair well Mm -hmm. and it's not like overpower sweetness. I agree. I agree. All right. So, now that we have our drinks and our s'mores, let's huddle around the fire and tell our first campfire story. Behind every breathtaking state park view is a sinister tale. What lies behind the trees? What lurks within the scenic trails? What could be waiting for you around the corner? What state park's tale will I be telling a story about? Bannock State Park 
in Montana, a former mining town filled with paranormal activity. Gather around the campfire as I tell you more about this once booming area turned ghost town. It was July of 1862 in the wild west of Bannock, Montana. A group of prospectors made the discovery of gold in Willard's Creek, named by Lewis and Clark. Among this group of prospectors was John White. He renamed the area Grasshopper Creek because of all the little critters that were hopping along his mining site. In order to protect his new discovery, White filed one of the first recorded mining claims. Soon, word spread of the big news. Those who had big dreams wanted to be among the lucky ones that would strike it rich. Some came in hopes to help their families, and others, well, came out of pure greed. As the weather began changing, many became susceptible to illness and or frostbite during the harsh cold winter months. The snow wiped out all of their crops, so it was difficult to get any fresh greens for any nutrition. People were ill-prepared for Montana's harsh winter. As stated by resident Mary Edgerton, noting the winter of 1863 in her diary, we had extremely cold weather here the week before last. The mercury in the thermometers after going 40 degrees below zero froze in the bulb. I never knew such cold weather. I was so afraid that the children would freeze their noses or ears that I got up a number of times in the night to see that their heads were covered. Their beds were covered in frost. Unfortunately, there were numerous people who came with big dreams and did not survive the winter months. But it did not take long before this area was filled with thousands of people by the spring. In time, this town was booming due to gold. As you may or may not have guessed, the idea of finding gold tended to bring out the worst in some. As we often hear of robberies and bandits in the Wild West, Bannock was no exception. Within 14 months, there were seven executions. The mining town saw its share of scandal from shootouts, hangings, murders, brothels, and the notorious sheriff turned outlaw, Henry Plummer. Henry was handsome, well-dressed, and charismatic. He gained the trust of the area miners and was soon elected sheriff of the community. However, Little did the unsuspecting citizens of Bannock know their new sheriff led a secret band of road agents called the Innocents. They terrorized the travelers between Bannock and Virginia City, robbing and killing more than 100 men over the next several months. His gang terrorized and robbed the area until region leaders banded together formed the Vigilance Committee and did their own bit of terrorizing by hanging Plummer and 21 other potential bandits. Today, many say that the ghost of Henry Plummer 
haunts this old settlement. Surrounded by all the turmoil from the adults, we mustn't forget the children of Bannock. The local school was a short distance from the gallows, a constant reminder of the gruesome shows they witnessed often. Depending on the crime, criminals were given a quick or prolonged agonizing death. Another building that was home to many children was the Bisset House, dubbed the Crying Baby House. This was the town's hospital or quarantine facility. Children that caught life-threatening illnesses such as whooping cough, scarlet fever, diphtheria, and the like would be sent to this house. Some, unfortunately, would never get to go back home to their families. This building is home to much paranormal activity. People say they still hear the sounds of children talking, crying, or odd sounds coming from inside the house. An additional building in the town that is said to have activity is the Hotel Mead. It was turned into a luxury hotel by Dr. Mead in 1891. It became the center of social life in Bannock, but also served many travelers. Cold spots, feeling touch, the apparition of a teenage girl, and sounds of crying children are often reported by those who visit the hotel. The first sighting of a young girl was well over a hundred years ago. The teen is said to be a girl named Dorothy Dunn, who drowned in a pond along the creek long ago. Shortly after her death, she made her first appearance to her best friend, who was with her at the time of her death. Since then, there have been multiple sightings of the teenage girl wearing a long blue dress on the second story of the old hotel. These reports often come from children, one of which reportedly stated that the ghost of Dorothy Dunn tried to talk to her. The seven-year-old could see Dorothy's mouth moving, but no sound came out. Dorothy and an older woman have also been sighted standing in an upstairs window by people on the street below. Spirits are said to be attached to the Mead Hotel, being the grandest building in Bannock and used for many things. Chances are, spirits feel at home here no matter how they died. They find peace in the Mead Hotel. No building in Bannock has a more colorful history than Skinner's Saloon. Cyrus Skinner and Henry Plummer operated the saloon after both served time in San Quentin. Respectable residents steered clear of the saloon since it was where the most ruthless and dangerous men gathered. Not surprisingly, it wasn't long before the saloon became a regular hangout for Plummer and his crew. When the popularity of mining dwindled, Bannock became a ghost town in the 1940s. However, the Montana Department of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks saved the town from the elements and vandalism by making it a state park on August 15, 1954. Now, 
Those are just a few of the local hotspots of this Wild West town. Could you be brave enough to set foot here? Who or what could be lurking around your campsite in this park? Could it be Henry Plummer? Maybe Dorothy will surprise you and make an appearance. All right, and we're going to keep enjoying our s'mores and our cocktails. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have our next campfire story. So stay tuned after the break. Hello, and welcome to Horror Roulette, where you never know what you're going to get. We're your hosts. I'm Em, and that's my brother, Nick. Each week, we spin the wheel of misfortune to randomly generate an episode topic, which makes our lives miserable, but this podcast listenable. We've covered everything from the Toy Box Killer to Jack and Jill. From Ed Wood to Black Widows, we've suffered through it all. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out at HorrorRoulette.com. Listen if you dare. Welcome back to the show. Let's get right back into it with our next campfire story. Also, just a cautionary note, there is a trigger warning for our next story because it does involve child death. Nestled amidst the picturesque landscapes of Iowa, about 180 miles east of Des Moines, lies Makokata Caves State Park a place of natural beauty and wonder. But this serene haven has recently bore witness to a chilling series of events that shocked the nation and left a community in mourning. The murders at Makokata Caves State Park have remained a mystery, haunting the memories of those who visit the park to this day. The Makokata Caves State Park, spread across more than 300 acres, is renowned for its intricate network of caves, bluffs, and unique geological formations. Every year, countless nature enthusiasts, hikers, and families visit the park. But, on Friday, July 22, 2022, the park was promptly evacuated and shut down. Law enforcement officials canvassed the area, ushering campers to safety and searching for an assailant with a gun. That summer morning started out just like any other there in the popular park in Jackson County. The sun came up over the bluffs at 5.59 a.m. Campsites slowly coming alive with the bustle of campers. At a nearby campsite, Felicia Coe was waking up inside her family's pop-up camper. She checked her phone. It was a little after 6.15 a.m. Like she did most mornings, she made her coffee as the rest of her family was waking up. Her 11-year-old pulled out a book. Her boyfriend was still stirring in his sleep. And her 16-year-old decided to go for an early morning run. 
She watched him run off, and shortly after, she heard what sounded like a scream. Then, the sound of a loud pop. The pop was loud enough to wake her boyfriend out of his sleep. They looked at each other, wondering what that sound really was. He assured her that it had to have been someone letting off fireworks, but she wasn't buying it. After a few seconds, Felicia tried to make sense of the sound. She thought perhaps maybe it could have been someone slamming a car door or maybe even a trash can lid. Something about it, though, made her uneasy. She walked out of the camper and happened to see a co-worker who was emerging from her campsite just a few lots down. She walked over to her and they started chatting about the sound. As they were talking, Felicia spotted two state park employees wearing helmets and body armor walking towards the woods and holding rifles. As more park employees and law enforcement officials began to appear, one, walking past Co and her co-worker, told them to get out of the park. Confused by the whole situation, and knowing she couldn't leave without her 16-year-old son, Felicia quickly walked the 15 minutes to the entrance of the park to look for him. She found him down the road, standing next to a small crowd, a young boy in pajamas, and two ambulances. As Felicia and her son walked back to the campsite, he told her that he had seen an older couple walking the grounds, calling for their son, Anthony. Within 30 minutes of returning to their campsite, an officer came up to the family and told them they had to leave the grounds immediately. Without time to even hitch up their camper, the family was ushered out by officials. It wasn't until later that evening that Felicia and her family would realize the tragedy that happened. Shortly before 6.23 a.m. that Friday morning, an armed assailant identified as 23-year-old Anthony Orlando Sherwin entered the campsite of the Schmidt family as they slept and opened fire, murdering three members of the family. According to the autopsies, the father, Tyler, 42, died from a gunshot wound and multiple stab wounds. The mother, Sarah, 42, died from multiple stab wounds. Lula Schmidt, age 6, died from a gunshot wound and strangulation. The couple's nine-year-old son, Arlo, was the sole survivor of the attack. He managed to escape during the shootings. The assailant's mother, Cecilia Sherwin, who had been camping with her husband and son, told the Omaha World Herald that she woke up to the sound of gunshots and screaming that Friday morning. Situated just 75 yards from where the murders took place, when she walked out of her family's tent, a young boy in pajamas ran up to her to say that someone had just killed his family. Arlo was physically uninjured and would later recount that a man 
dressed in black had killed his family with a small gun. In a recently released 911 call, we hear Sherwin make the phone call and tell the dispatcher what Arlo had said. I will warn you, the recording I'm about to play may be sensitive to some listeners as it features the Schmidt's sole surviving nine-year-old boy, Arlo. Police say the shooting happened just before 6.30 a.m. the morning of July 22nd at the campground, leaving three members of the Schmidt family from Cedar Falls dead. We do want to warn you, the 911 call we obtained includes their surviving member of the Schmidt family, a nine-year-old boy, describing what he saw that morning. Jackson County 911, where's your emergency? Mark the Caves. Uh, Mark the Caves? Yeah. Okay, what's going on out there? Shooting, shooting. The 911 call to Jackson County Dispatch July 22nd was set in motion by a nine-year-old boy who ran to a woman for help in the campground, saying something happened to his parents. And he said that his parents were shot in the blood. Oh, I don't know if that's his fault. He doesn't know if they're shot, but scary. Two minutes in, the dispatcher puts her on hold and attempts to call a park ranger, but gets a voicemail. Come on. Ten minutes in, he gets back on the phone, later asking the boy named Arlo questions. He says he was camping with his mom, dad, and sister. Uh, I woke up and there was, like, someone in, like, black clothes, and they had a weapon, and my sister was screaming. Arlo says he doesn't know who the man in black clothes was. Did you hear any shots, or what kind of weapon did he have? Uh, I think it was some kind of small gun. Police later found Arlo's parents, Sarah and Tyler Schmidt, and his sister, six-year-old Lula, dead in their tent near the entrance to the upper campground. Another body was found nearby, Anthony Sherwin. What is your name? Cecilia Sherwin. The one who made the 911 call, not knowing her son had died or that he would be the suspect. Are you the park ranger? Okay, you go ahead and talk to him, okay? Thank you very much. The Iowa Division of Criminal Investigations had previously revealed that Tyler Schmidt was shot and stabbed, Sarah Schmidt was stabbed, and Lula was shot and strangled. The motive for the shooting is still unknown at this time. With no sign as to why, after 6 in the morning, investigators say Anthony Sherwin took one of the multiple firearms his family was traveling with and went to the Schmidt's campsite. There, he entered the family's tent and began the attack. By the time officials arrived, the Schmitz, along with Anthony, were dead. After evacuating the campgrounds, police learned that the only registered camper that was unaccounted for was Anthony Sherwin, a resident of La Vista, Nebraska. At the time, officials didn't know whether he was the perpetrator or another victim but did know that he was armed. Hours later, around 11 a.m., an Iowa State Patrol aircraft saw his body and notified officers on land. They found Sherwin dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Conflicting reports state that Anthony Sherwin was found with two gunshots. His mother, Cecilia, believes the first would have been debilitating and wonders how he managed to shoot himself again. 
She has also gone on to file Freedom of Information Act requests for her son's autopsy reports and other investigative documents, but have all been denied or ignored. The Sherwin's family two big unanswered questions remain. Was there a ballistics match linking the gun that killed Anthony and the Schmitz? And if Arlo was so adamant in describing the assailant as wearing black, and Anthony's autopsy listed Anthony as wearing green, how was the connection made to their son? Much of the events that happened that Friday morning still remain a mystery. The motive for the shooting is still unknown. There's no connection between the Schmidt family and Anthony Sherwin. Authorities believe that the shooting was purely a random attack. The investigation into the events surrounding the homicides is ongoing, but according to officials, the known facts, circumstances, and all evidence collected to this point substantiate that Sherwin was the perpetrator of the homicides and acted alone. While this seemingly evident closure brought some comfort to park-goers, the wounds left by the unanswered questions remain open. In the heart of Makokata Cave State Park, nature's beauty persists, but a haunting aura lingers. As visitors explore the park's natural wonders, they do so with a sense of caution and reverence, mindful of the darkness that once befell this otherwise serene landscape. The murders at Makokata Cave State Park stand as a solemn reminder that even in the most enchanting places, evil can cast its shadow. Before we close it out here, just another reminder to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok if you want to see us making our delicious s'mores, which I will say I took the last bite of mine. You took the liberty of. <laughs> and oh my gosh, I still can't get over it. I got a really nice pop of, of strawberry. Well, what, while I was reading, you were like yes, just in the corner over there <laughs> eating away. I couldn't stop. I know. It was so good. It though. was good. So with that, until next time, thanks for joining us for another happy hour in the Spirit Lounge. I am Lily. And I'm Vanessa. And this was the Haunted Happy Hour Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you have Echo devices, an easy way to listen is just say, Alexa, play Haunted Happy Hour Podcast. Plus, follow us on Facebook and Instagram to check out our next episode teaser and drink feature. See if you can guess what our next theme will be. Until next time. Cheers! Cheers.